Hi, I'm Pete Sweeney, Asia editor of Reuters Breaking Views. I recently sat down in Hong Kong with Jim Rogers, a famous veteran investor, longtime Asia resident, founded the Quantum Fund with George Soros back in the day. Um, he's in town for U during U.S. President Donald Trump's Asia tour, and we talked about a lot of things. Rogers is a longtime Asia bull. He's most famous for repeatedly predicting a market crash in the offing, um, driven to by excessive debt and money printing by central banks. We talked about whether he's sticking to this thesis in 2018 and where he's putting his own money in terms of stocks, bonds, commodities, and what he thinks about various Asian countries, their politics, and their economic performance. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Reuters Breaking Views. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm Asia editor. I'm sitting here in Hong Kong with Jim Rogers, a famous veteran investor, a longtime Asia bull, and a big fan of the bow tie. <laughs> Man after my own heart. Welcome on the show, Jim. I'm delighted to be here, Pete. So one of the things that everybody knows about you who follows your career is that you've been predicting of late, you know, this a big market crash to come. Um, now, as we have markets hitting new highs every every minute, it seems, and people are shorting volatility indexes, apparently. I just want to move us forward a little bit. Let's assume it does happen next year. Let's assume all this crazy happiness evaporates in a big disaster. What do you think the strategy is for positioning in terms of assets and regions? Well, let me make sure that we have it clear. What I have said was that we will have a bear market again someday. Sure. Now, Janet Yellen, the, chairman, the head of the Federal Reserve in America, says we won't. She says everything is okay now and there won't be any more economic problems. I happen to disagree with her and I know we will have bear markets again. And what I said was the next one we have, when it comes, is going to be the worst in your life, the worst in my lifetime. And I think I'm older than you. Hmm. The reason for that being, you know, 2008 we had a problem. Too much debt, we had a problem. The next time around, the debt is so, so, so much higher, Pete. In the last nine years, debt has skyrocketed. So the next time we have a bear market, it's going to be the worst in my lifetime. Well, now, so I you... wish I were smart enough to know when. Right. Well, I'm just saying for a hypothetical, because you've been watching these asset markets, um, you know, because I hear people talking about, about this a lot. And you know, the question is, how do, you, how do you make money off of it? You know, you're an investor, so you short everything, you buy canned goods, ammo stock. Well, <laughs> what, well, what, what, looks, what looks attractive to you, assuming that you're, you're bearish on this? Well, I'm not short. I'm, I bought stocks this week uh, in China, Japan, uh, Zimbabwe, Taiwan. So, I, I mean, I, I see opportunities on the long side in markets. Doesn't mean I'm right. The bear market maybe start today. Uh, no, but I see opportunities. But if you're worried about that, you do need to know how to sell short. Great fortunes can be made in a bear market selling short. I'm not sure canned goods is the place yet. <laughs> we're, no, no, don't, don't laugh because okay. we're going to have sometime in the next few years a canned goods kind of, kind of time. We're going to have serious, serious problems in the world. I'm not sure canned goods is for the next bear market, but it's, don't forget your canned goods. Well, tell me a little bit about your China strategy, because that people have always been hoping that we're going to have like this kind of counterbalancing economy, you know, out of sync with the U.S., uh, you know, that, that, you can, that you can put money into. Uh, I you know, but, but I mean, in, if you're talking about printing money and going into debt, like China is famous for kind of responding the same way. Um, do you see this as kind of like a regional disconnect that like, you know, you might have a problem in the States and that China will not 
track it downwards? I don't or? see how you can have a China disconnect from the from the West. Uh, I mean, they're the largest trading company in the country in the world. Sure. The United States and China are gigantic trading partners. Hmm. Uh, in in my view, when we have problems the next time, uh, you're going to have companies in China going bankrupt, which is going to be a shock to them, to me, to and I know it's coming, and to the world because Beijing has said we will let people go bankrupt. Now I hope they do. I wish Washington would let people go bankrupt in London and and Berlin, uh, but the China. The Chinese now have debt. You know, for decades, the Chinese had no, nobody would lend money to Mao Zedong. Sure. And they wouldn't, they didn't borrow money. But now in China, a lot of companies have a lot of debt. Well, a lot of this is dollar debt, right? I mean, this year there's been a lot of borrowing offshore. There's a lot of, well, at least in dollar denominated instruments, some of it offshore. Uh, foreign banks have lent a lot to Chinese companies. Do you think the world is more at risk from a China correction than it was? Some 10 years ago? There are companies that deal with the West and that have debt, whatever the debt is. Mm. And when their customers get in trouble, they're going to be in trouble. And some of them are going to go under. Many companies in China have little debt, and many companies in China could care less right. if, if the West disappears. Right. Many companies, if you're cleaning up pollution in China, you don't care if Europe disappears. You're too busy going to work every day, and you're making too much money. But the ones that have debt and that deal with the West are going to have problems the next time around. Right. Well, I mean, I know the people who are most nervous about the China story are commodities people, and I know you've dabbled in commodities yourself. What's your outlook for, like, these core commodity products, steel, iron ore, that are underpinned by Chinese demand? How do you, how do you see well, that plan out? Well, I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm a director of a coal company, so we obviously sure. worry about uh, Chinese coal. Uh, I do own commodities, yes. Steel is not high on my list because it's, there's no real active futures market. But some commodities I'm optimistic about. Agriculture, I'm very optimistic about. Uh, agriculture has been a disaster for 35 years. It's changing. In my view, it's changing. So if you're worried about the world uh, and the, we are going to have a serious bear market, you should think about agriculture because agriculture will probably be do well. Now, that is a place that will probably disconnect in the net, to use your term, in the next bear market. Is that, yeah, sorry, I think decoupling is the word. Decoupling, talk, right? okay. I should have used the, the correct term. But, um, I mean, is that where your, your portfolio strategy that you're working on this, this last week in Zimbabwe, China, is that, is that, is that a no, theme no, you've been working uh, recently, or is that? I, my, I bought, I'm lazy, I bought Japanese ETFs, Chinese ETFs, Hong mm. Kong, Taiwan ETFs. And Zimbabwe, yeah, the comparable of ETFs in Zimbabwe. Well, okay, so that's a passive. So I'm just going to ask you. I mean, one of the, the I took a look at your, your your famous book, Bull in a China Shop, right? Yeah. Um, and it's just interesting because it kind of like timing of it. I, I use an experiment. I looked at what has happened in the China stock exchange since that book came yeah, out. Yeah. Now, if you bought you know, shares in a China ETF, the CSI 300 benchmark or whatever, on the day after, the first day of trade after that book came out, you'd be down 17% right now. If you bought the S&P 500, you'd be up like, I think, 77% something. Right, right. Uh, so the China market right now, they just opened the doors a little bit. You can go in through these connect funds, but yeah. like there's this extreme lumpiness. What's your take on what they've done to kind of <laughs> make that a bit more reassuring for foreign investors? Well, first of all, to the book, the book was written as not as a market timing. It was a description sure. of the Chinese market. And it specifically says some of these guys are going to go bankrupt. 
This is just to tell you what's happening in China, because back then, 10 years ago, many people didn't know China had a stock market. So the book was written as a primer, as a primer to explain how the, how the world worked up there. Uh, but as far as time, no, I didn't right. mean to beat up on the well, thesis. No, no, no. I'm just as far as your time, it came out exactly the wrong time. Right. Came out, of, but the publisher came out. Doesn't matter. Came out of exactly. If you're looking at market timing, it set the top. <laughs> it certainly set the top. But I, I, I'm not sure because China certainly boomed since 2007. There's, I don't think anybody would dispute that the Chinese economy is a whole lot bigger and has done a whole lot better than nearly any other economy in that period, of, and that's going to continue. The market has certainly not opened up as fast as I would open it up. You know, if I were China, I'd open the market today. I would have opened the market 10 years ago, both the currency market and the stock market and the commodities markets. I'm not China. They do it their way. Uh, it's still not a completely open market. You mentioned some of the things that are opening up. Sure. But you can't just pick up the phone and start investing in China the way you could pick up the phone and invest in Germany or Australia or other places. Moving outside of China, you said you're going to Japan, South Korea. What's your take on, on what do you like about Japan these days? There's a lot of... Well, the Japanese market, first of all, is down 50% from its all-time high yeah. 27 years ago. <laughs> so there's some catch-up, perhaps. Right. But we could have said this many times, except for the fact that Abe, the, the, the head, the prime minister, is printing staggering amounts of money. He's doing everything he can to get the markets up. And he's... After his most recent election, he's got the power to do anything he wants, and he's doing it. The Japanese central bank spends every day printing money so they can buy stocks and bonds. I mean, it's shocking. It's unbelievable. The next time there's a bear market, Japan may disappear and fall into the sea. But in the meantime, Pete, it's down 50%. He's doing all he can to get the markets up. So I own Japanese shares. Am I going to make money? I don't know. But my view is the Japanese stock market may go back to its all-time highs, and that would be a double if it does. So is it fair to say you're not buying as if we're going to have a big market crash next year? Like your strategy is, I mean, I don't well, know. Well, we could have a market about. crash next year. Uh, I hope I'm smart enough to watch Reuters and figure it out and get out <laughs> well, in time. We appreciate that. Yeah. I'll get out in time. <laughs> but at the moment... I still see op reasons to be optimistic in some markets right. that, are, that are still very depressed compared to the ones going through the roof. Yeah. Can we talk politics for a second? Talk anything you want. All right, great. Um, so Trump is in town on his big Asia tour. And, you know, both of us have both spent a lot of time in Asia, you much more than I. But, I mean, like, you know, you clearly dedicated your life and a, a large part of your career to living here. Your daughters speak Chinese, I understand. Yeah. Um, and, you know, what's happening now, I think, is, is upsetting to, to a lot of the Asia hands um, and this perception that, that Trump and the people who supported him are fans of kind of withdrawal of the U United States from the, from the region, from engagement. Uh, I was just wondering, you know, what's, what's your take on what is happening right now? And, you know, if you could well, speak to these people, you know, who, who think this is a good idea, what would you say? Well, the first thing I would say was if you withdraw from Asia, then you give it to China. You're giving three billion people to China because there's nobody else. The Indians can't compete with the Chinese. Certainly, who's going to take over? Not Japan, not Korea. So if America withdraws from Asia, which Trump seems to want to do, you might as well just ring a bell and say, okay, guys, now you're Chinese, which is one reason I taught my children uh, Mandarin. Mm -hmm. uh, and that would be the worst thing. 
from America's point of view. 20 years from now, somebody's going to wake up and say, how did China get Asia? And the answer is, Mr. Trump gave it to them. You know, Mr. Trump said, bye-bye, we're leaving, it's yours now. Uh, so that's the first thing I would say to them. Uh, the second thing I would say that Mr. Trump, what's the word? Well, anyway, Mr. Trump promised many times that on his first day, he would impose 45% tariffs on China and Mexico. Well, he's been there 10 months. He hasn't done it yet. So I'm not sure Mr. Trump knows what he wants to do. Uh, a lot of the things he, he promised us he was due, he hasn't done yet. I mean, God forbid he should have put 45% tariffs on the Chinese. That's called trade war. And nobody's ever won a trade war. So thank goodness he hasn't done some of it. Well, I think that's all the time we have for now. Thanks so much for talking to us. This is Jim Rogers. I'm Pete Sweeney with Reuters Breaking Views. Thanks for watching. Thank you.